Hi, this is Kate Flannery, Meredith from the office, and you're listening to That's What She Said. That's What She Said, episode 49, Weight Loss. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! (laughs) Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go And welcome to episode 49 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the fifth season premiere episode, Weight Loss, which originally aired Thursday, September 25th, 2008. For the first time ever, The Office breaks new ground and shows us life in Scranton during the hot and sticky months of summer. A weight loss challenge brings Michael and Holly closer together. A prodigal son returns. Pam leaves. Jim frets. Dwandy Jilla gets funky. And once again, Flenderson proves that he is the biggest loser. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why did you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? All right, well, here we are, the season premiere episode. Who'd have thunk it? All those uh, months and weeks have flown by since Goodbye, Toby. And, uh, you know, we, we promised to put out a few more episodes over the summer, and I just wanted to apologize. I, you know, I was in my mid to early 20, and I didn't really uh, properly process 9-11, so I, <laughs> I really want to apologize for that, folks. And uh, <laughs> joining me here at the Water Cooler this week is, of course, our dear, dear friend, Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing? I'm sorry I'm late. I accidentally set my alarm to RSS 2.0 with enclosures. Uh, can we give an that's award? A little, that's a little podcasting joke. Can I uh, give that a, a, one of your Dundee awards last week for the lamest, lamest line probably ever in the office? <laughs> that uh, that classroom scene, yeah, that professor, that was just horribly, horribly bizarre. And also, speaking of which, why was Pam attending a lecture with some bearded guy talking about cave moss? I don't. I never could quite figure that out, but uh, that Pratt Institute—they keep you guessing. Maybe it's a history of art. Yeah. Yeah. That could be. That could be. They could be talking about the caveman paintings or something. You're always once again right on top of the ball, Kevin. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as we said, like we said, you know, here we are. It's the big season premiere, and we had a lot of questions, of course, from the finale last time, and we brought up a lot of our predictions last week. Kevin, uh, how do we do on our predictions last week? Well, uh, I don't think anyone saw this uh, Ryan thing happening, and of course it was so immediately obvious that we should have all guessed, but I guess that promo with Ronnie in the chair made us just have a blind spot to the fact that Ryan could land in Pam's seat. But I thought we called that. Didn't we call that he was going to be hired back as a temp? I thought we said that last time. Well, but not as the receptionist. Oh, well, close enough. Close enough. Anyway, uh, you know, I think that we had predictions about a lot of this stuff going on and on and on, and boy, they sure put a close to some of the speculation right away in this episode. Of course, there's one big monkey off of certain 60s 
salesman's back now, but in any case, uh, they certainly got through and uh, closed up a lot of those loopholes right away in this first episode. Well, you know what? That's true. And, Kevin, i got to say, I, I know that you love this episode, and I know that every single blog comment on the blog page loved this episode. I even had multiple people at least say that they thought this was a return to Season 2, and um, I'm a little shaken up by that, I guess, because... Uh, I thought it was good, but it's after goodbye Ho- uh, after goodbye Toby. I don't know, man. I just it didn't quite live up to my expectations, and I think that the biggest reason why I felt kind of nonplussed about a lot of the stuff that was going on. And I want to make this clear: there were individual moments. I mean, I really I loved individual moments from this episode. I think my biggest thing that kind of dragged me down a little bit was that it, it sort of felt like the compressed time frame. It, it almost felt like they were just going down a list and checking off plot points, just like one after the next. Um, the Ryan thing, while like we kind of predicted it, it, it just it felt way too soon to me to have him come back already in the very first episode. I don't know, did that it didn't bother you at all that he just kind of scot free came back, uh, had to do some community service after committing major fraud and being carried off in handcuffs? Well, if I was going to look at that situation with the sort of realist's eye, I guess I wouldn't <laughs> disagree with that because obviously. It shouldn't be so neatly wrapped up that quickly. That being said, when you're watching a TV show like this, you do have to have a certain suspension of disbelief. And i got to tell you, I love this episode. It is a privilege to be on a show where we're talking about The Office, and especially this episode, because this is one of my favorites. Uh, after three viewings, I, I still can't stop smiling when I watch the episode and talk about the episode. I think that the uh, whole show was firing on all cylinders and you know like I said it it really did wrap up some points but I thought it did so in a very funny and uh, in a way that just brought me a lot of pleasure so well let me guess you're just you know cold in heart and dark (laughs) view of life I suppose whatever but let me throw this out there for you now this episode weight loss better than Goodbye Toby oh way better than Goodbye Toby because it was you're on crack Kevin Christ it was it was it was so much more satisfying to have some of these things going on, especially on the Jim and Pam plotline. Goodbye, Toby was not satisfying the way it ended, whereas this one, of course, very satisfying. Well, that's true, but the, I mean, the, the vast majority to me of Goodbye, Toby was much more enjoyable than this episode. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying I didn't like this episode because I'm hearing people right now screaming in uh, anguish (laughs) (laughs) as they're driving their cars, uh, you know, getting ready their one-star reviews about how I hate The Office. Don't get me wrong. Goodbye, Toby was a great episode, a really strong episode for Steve Carell. And this episode, not quite so strong for Steve Carell, but I just really love this episode. In fact, I think, to me, the issue is that this, probably there's never been a better Jim episode than this one because he was all over the place in all the talking heads and all the different plot lines and he was just funny charming uh, he was the man he was great well i love i will deny Hufford. that i will not deny that he had some great one-liners in there especially his uh, comment about ronnie the receptionist got to go down as a brilliant piece of self-effacing humor i have to say i really enjoyed you know yeah the pam and jim plot line was very uh, satisfying. I mean, we both commented that last year that Goodbye Toby, that was really the one false step that we both felt with the episode that 
they just left it hanging there and then made it seem like, you know, all summer we got all this stuff about how they were going to have a love triangle and how Rich Summer was coming in there and he was going to, you know, take over and everything. And, and even in this episode, they were really building it up to seem like something was going to happen. And, you know, I don't know what to say about that. And they instantly, at the end, they, they basically, you know, they, they get the proposal. And so it was kind of a whole big red herring. So I don't know really what to, what to think about that. Well, I think the, the, one of the things I really liked about this episode, um, definitely some things that they did a little differently. No cold open. They went straight into the, the plot and the timeline. And to me, the other thing that was really good about this episode compared to some of the past one-hour episodes is that it felt like a full one-hour episode. It wasn't two episodes that they sort of crammed together to uh, try to fill their schedule on NBC. And I thought the, also the documentary crew was way more active as part of the plot line in this episode. There was all kinds of cases where they, they were very active in either directing characters, um, some of the lines, you know, how do you sleep at night and all those kind of things. And I think and, we had the first on-camera utterance from a camera yes, person as the well. Yes, <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that that part was really good. And and I just love, I talked about it on a past episode, where I, I just love that they're peeling back the onion on this kind of rich universe of Dunder Mifflin. And they talked about the different branches in Utica and Camden and Nashua and that whole bit of it, I think, was great. And it, it, each of the characters got a little something to do in this episode. Again, I just really thought it was brilliant. All right, well, I'm going to take a step back and, and say, while you thought this episode was great because of the Jim and Pam satisfying moments, I part of the reason why maybe I didn't like this episode as much as Goodbye Toby is the fact that after three months of waiting on the Michael Holly front, that was just as bad as the Jim and Pam relationship cop-out last season because mm. we had total frustration. Michael, just when he seems like he's going to get some happiness, he's such an idiot once again. You know, they still have obviously five more episodes of Amy Ryan being involved in the show, and I'm assuming that's going to build up more towards something, but I was really unsatisfied, I guess, with how that turned out. The fact that at the end he did not pull it together and make something happen there, especially after seeing Jan come back in and... Have her, you know he's giving her foot rubs and all this other kind of stuff. Well, there were two scenes in that in that episode that I that I didn't love watching a second and third time. That was one of them, and of course, the final bumper there with Flenderson as well. But in any case, um, he is the biggest loser, <laughs> and so I, I agree with you. But then again, this is Michael we're talking about, so his disappointment isn't as bad as Jim's disappointment in, in Goodbye Toby because we were expecting better. Well, I mean, that's true. I guess I, it just built up that expectation, and I really liked the character. And I, this episode did nothing to make me dislike the character. I mean, I just kept wanting them to connect, you know. The whole 45 minutes, it was them just kind of dancing around. And the fact that it didn't, nothing happened, I guess I can't, uh, I can't have everything at once, except they gave us nearly everything at once. <laughs> this episode, I mean, there's really no, nothing left hanging from last season that was not resolved in the premiere. Um, you know, the proposal is taken care of. The Dwight Andy Angela thing, uh, still hanging, I guess, but I mean, still, it's more or less resolved. Well, he definitely dressed it very well, for sure. What's yeah. happening after the, the, the cliffhanger? Well, this is what's happening after the cliffhanger. Exactly. Yes. The um, other stuff in the office, I mean, I don't know. The Jim and Pam thing, it was very, you know, it was an interesting plot line. It was, it was believable, the way things are breaking down. I liked some of the little moments there with the MacBook camera, you know, the, whatever, the eyesight camera there and mm -hmm. Michael hijacking the, 
hijacking the laptop, and then I don't know what did you what did you make about that whole uh, Michael falling down the stairs to bring Pam his poem thing from the beginning? I just thought that that was just funny. <laughs> you know, he, he, I mean, it, it it certainly helped the the almost kiss at the end there. It definitely pulled that scene out a little bit for me, but. Um, you know, it's just Michael being Michael. The last word was seagulls. <laughs> okay. I, cribbed, I cribbed a lot from a bunch of other poems. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. It just <laughs> it was pretty silly. I mean, it's one of those moments where it was almost just very similar to um, to the episode where Ed Truck loses his head, where Michael runs down the steps to get the baby bird. So it was a little weird. I mean, it was a little physical comedy, I guess, but... You know, it's mm-hmm. okay. Um, so that was my big only, really my only big problem with the episode is the fact that uh, I was hoping for more, I guess, from the Michael relationship and uh, was unsatisfied. Now, was I satisfied? Was Did I get dusty when the when Jim went down on a knee? I don't know. Just a little, I think. I don't know what happened. I, I guess I must be a cold-hearted bastard, so I'm not sure. Um, I was really hyped up for it last, last, uh, last season, but for some reason it... Because I couldn't hear it very well in that pouring rain. All right, well, you know, Kevin, the more we think about this, the more we talk about it. Um, as I look at the episode on a whole, there were a lot of good scenes, a lot of things that made me laugh. I I don't know why I had the reaction I had. I'm thinking that it had something to do with just being so hyped for the premiere after Goodbye, Toby, that no matter what happened, that this episode somehow didn't satisfy me. I don't really know why. Everything, really, when you look at it, like I said, go by the numbers. Uh, it did everything right, gave us all the answers, gave us everything that we wanted. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, my own too high expectations at work. All right, well, let's get into that Michael plot line here. And uh, as we said in the introduction, corporate has issued their branches a very specific challenge for the summer. All right, everybody, this is your last meal, so eat up. From this point forward, you will not use the bathroom. We need to keep our starting weights high so we can lose more. This summer, corporate is sponsoring a little weight loss contest between the branches. Whichever branch loses the most weight gets three extra vacation days. Michael, it's time. Hit the scales, everybody. Uh, Right on that black platform. This way. Step it up. Me? No. I will squeeze you. Okay, everybody. Get used to this, because we are going to be standing here briefly every Monday for the next seven Mondays. Wait a minute. One more bite of Eclair each. Hold it in your mouth if you can't swallow. Really? Nothing. 2,336 pounds. Y'all need to learn some portion control. You know, it's kind of funny coming from Craig Robinson there. As he's uh, sporting quite the paunch himself. Well, that's what makes it so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A um, couple of things Wait. in there. Just like last, uh, just like in Goodbye, Toby, we have Michael uh, aborting the That's What She Said. His All of his That's What She Said instincts are, are gone to pot since Holly came around. I, I, I love that line from Jim. <laughs> hey, really? What? I think <laughs> Uh, that, like, big cheese fountain thing, I don't know if I was more disgusted with anything I've ever seen. <laughs> that, that looked like quite the spread. And, uh, of course, what was Dwight spraying insecticide over everything for? That was pretty much a waste, wasn't it? Well, it did but, not want them to take home those dumplings. I guess. You know, speaking of Dwight, throughout the whole episode, he also, despite being the big food Nazi, he is the guy that basically did nothing to uh, to win the challenge or to try to help the challenge. He was trying to control everybody else except himself, which is how he approaches life in a lot of different ways, actually. But 
I, I, I don't think you have the clip, but the uh, washboard abs line from Andy, that was a pretty good one. <laughs> Tells you a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah. That was great. Ed Helms had a few good lines in this episode, definitely. Uh, I, you can't just help but feel even sorrier for uh, <laughs> for Andy Bernard. He is like the biggest sad sack sucker on this uh, side of Costa Rica. I wanted to ask you about that weight. Is there something wrong with that scale? Because it was 2,236 pounds, and then Pam got off, and it was then 2,210 pounds. I think Pam's got to weigh more than 26 pounds, unless I've done my math wrong. I'm pretty sure they said 2,126, or whatever it was, because I calculated it out and figured Uh, out that uh, Pam must weigh 126 pounds. Okay, well, uh, you know, math is hard. (laughs) Sorry. No, not even close to that, Holly. (laughs) You know, they always say I, I, a GD monkey can do it, but I guess I can't, so it's all right. <laughs> and, uh, well, while we're talking about this, Kevin, I was going to say this for the news, but there is a major product placement in this episode. Have you spotted it yet? Hmm. Let's see. The nacho cheese fountain? Nope. Is it the big old weight scale? Yes, sir. Yes, it is. <laughs> Built by a uh, Wisconsin firm called Rice lake weighing system so yes indeed it is a custom built scale for the show and it is a product placement so they're hoping to get some business out of that but isn't isn't the point of product placement that your brand is shown and then you then want to go and buy it well i guess uh (laughs) people out there looking for industrial size scales that watch the office they might might want to be using their doing their own little weighing challenges because i got to tell you, I'm much more interested in going over to Bella's Yoga and Pilates Studio in Dixon City, Pennsylvania, and <laughs> checking out the hot instructor over there. I mean, that's real product placement. That's uh, like getting me <laughs> in, excited and interested. Well, speaking of getting excited and interested, Kevin, <laughs> um, after that first initial win, Michael, of course, is next to Holly, and the intensity of the relationship keeps slowly building at this point. Now, the first week, the first 10 minutes or whatever of the episode here we have, is that just really a week after the finale, pretty much? Probably, yeah. All right. Well, it's still, at that point, then, I guess we're still working on Michael taking it slow through Jim's advice, and Michael really can't contain himself. Did you see Holly's butt? No, I didn't. <laughs> you know why? Why? <laughs> because most of the time, friends don't talk about other friends' butts. I... I... I know. But what have you learned about her? I learned that she broke her left leg twice in one year. I learned that she's allergic to sesame seeds. I learned that she has read Lonesome Dove three times. Nice. And that her butt refuses to quit. Well, I tried. (laughs) I can't believe I'm saying this, but Michael is actually killing it with Holly. And I think I know why. It's because Holly is kind of a major dork. I'm Empty Max Scott, and I am hot. She's DJ Daddy Flax, and she is the best. All the sucker branches can suck our facts. Wicka, 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 what? DJ Jazzy Flax <laughs> is the best, I have to say. Now, we, we've, of course, seen that clip about a million times on the TV promo ads, but still, adorable. Who does not want to see those two crazy kids? get together except the writers of this show apparently yeah exactly no i thought that was a great clip and i you know again this this relationship with michael and jim and jim's right there in the middle dishing out the advice but also his uh disgust at having to deal with 
Michael's issues, and, you know, <laughs> taking a bathroom break and holding it in so he doesn't have to talk to Michael anymore. So. Yeah, Michael has very few boundaries. I, he has, uh, Halpern had a lot of, like I said, a lot of really sharp one-liners in this episode there when he when he first comes in you know michael's like hosing himself off with a washcloth or something he's like oh i see they moved the shower yeah. <laughs> oh man he cannot get away but again it's his own fault i guess he got involved despite uh, his better judgment now, now did you notice holly's full name on her little nameplate there uh i did not what did it say her full name is hollis holly p flax oh you gotta so h-o-l-l-i-s Hollis is the first name. That is demented, my friend. <laughs> All right, well... Um, well, maybe that explains why she's so dorky and uh, weird, right? That could be, that could be. Well, you know what, speaking of, again, weird... Trying to get the segues all smooth in here. Um, <laughs> speaking of weird, then of course after that little scene we have the reappearance of our big bombshell from last season. Hey, Jan. Hi. How's the candle game? Oh, great. Yeah. Trying to do by Jan is kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> you remember last week when that girl went missing? Guess whose candles they used to vigil. Cool. Thank God they found her, too. Oh, they found her? Hey, Jan. Hello, baby. How are you? Good to see you. Who's your daddy? You don't know who your daddy is, do you? Do you do? Come on. Hey, Oscar. Who's that woman in Michael's office with the feet? That's his ex. Oh, she's, she's very beautiful. Yes, she is. And clinically insane. So, uh, listen, um, I don't know if your offer still stands or whatever, but uh, you can give your yoga teacher my number. Now, <laughs> that whole scene there with Kevin and uh, Jan is, is some classic dialogue, I have to say. Uh, she's so proud. I mean, it's like almost a Seinfeldian kind of joke there, where yes. she's you know, profiting from the missing child <laughs> and is disappointed when they found the kid. Or unaware, at least. <laughs> but I, I thought that, that that scene with Jan was pretty interesting because she comes in, she hands Ronnie the the piece of paper for her company and says, I want 100 copies on Canary Yellow. I, a little bit more of the bitchy Jan from season one and season two. So maybe she's coming back. <laughs> to the old Jan that we all loved. So we'll see how this goes. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, she was very... Uh, in, th in this episode, really, her purpose was mainly just to come between Michael and Holly. Certainly. There, where, of course, she, Holly, feeling threatened or feeling like Michael's got something going on since he's, well, rubbing Jan's feet in his office decides to pursue other avenues of entertainment for herself. And let's talk about, because I don't have that clip on here, but since we're talking about Oscar and Holly, uh, yeah. what did you think about that whole scene in the, in the break room where Oscar really laid into her? Well, I love that scene, and this is exactly what I was talking about on the last episode, giving Oscar more to do. And I thought he had a nice little rapport there with Holly in this episode all throughout. And, of course, that scene was really funny. You know, <laughs> I'm messing with you. I thought it was great. Uh, it's the kind of attitude we want to see from Oscar instead of the Oscar with his chip on his shoulder and, you know, really uptight about everything. It seems obviously that it was supposed to be a parallel to Michael in uh, in his gay witch hunt sort of comments. And I guess it's just maybe it's Oscar's mellowed or maybe he's just not an asshole with anybody except for Michael. I don't know. <laughs> no, that could be. But, yeah, I, I really I thought that was great. And it's showing a little bit of how Holly's not quite up with the whole HR vibe. <laughs> and how things are supposed to be done because you know, joking about sexuality is usually not the thing you do. So 
so explains number one why she gets along so well with Michael. Number two, well, why she might get in trouble shortly thereafter. Oh man, see now you're now you're making me sad, Kevin. It, hinting at such terrible things taking place. Well, she was quite shocked when Michael came in with the Michael Klump suit on. Yeah, for a while, but then at the end, it seems like she was getting into it, you know? His whole getting Kelly to stand up, I think she, everyone was like dusting the room after that scene. I mean, he, Michael really saved the day, and he like pulled it together. I think she was admiring him. Well, I don't know. I think she still had quite a skeptical look on her face during most of that whole scene, but we'll get to that in a minute. Now, uh, since we're <laughs> speaking of Holly, and since we last season kept wondering how long, how long, Kevin, were they going to keep that uh, pretext going of Kevin being retarded? And, well, just like everything else, <laughs> it only lasted one episode. Listen, dummy, it's not that hard. All you have to do is take the numbers from the sales report and type them into a master spreadsheet. A GD monkey could do it. I do not understand why you can't do it. No. You do not talk to him like that. But he's an idiot. Hey. He is not an idiot. Thank you, Holly. He is mentally challenged. But he's doing a super job here. Wait, back up. Do you think that I'm retarded? What? No. Uh, do I... Oh, Holly, that is very offensive. I'm sorry. There was surprisingly little blowback from that thing in the rest of the episode. I suppose, but I don't know. I just, I still am crying, laughing so hard at <laughs> that scene. I just thought it was great. And, you know, part of my context for that scene is, of course, the controversy we had this summer about uh, Tropic Thunder and the use of the R word. And even some of the protesters there were saying that the word idiot is not you know, appropriate. And so when Angela throws, you know, idiot and dummy and all these kind of things at Kevin, it just added even more context to the whole situation with Holly. I felt so sorry for her in a way because, you know, you, you think that you could get stuck in that kind of position and how horrible it would be that you made this gigantic mistake. And I thought the way Angela played that scene was awesome. She had that little smirk on her face and then she threw in that zinger at the end. That was great. I love that oh, scene. Oh, man. I know. She was... Uh really putting her in her place there for a second, unfortunately, uh, didn't quite uh, work out the way that she thought. Now, I don't know if there's going to be any other deleted scenes or anything else that comes up out of that, but it's, if somebody thought I was retarded, <laughs> I feel like, like maybe I'd have a, bi a bigger reaction. It just it, it came up and it was dropped right away. Yeah, I would expect that they probably would have some additional scenes for Kevin's point of view on that. Especially since he was so thinking that she was into him and everything mm -hmm. else. Uh, I don't know. Talk about his uh, world crashing down. Well, one of our predictions and uh, one of the comments that came from our blog page in our last episode, Kevin, was that Phyllis was, of course, going to use her knowledge of the illicit affair at the end of Goodbye Toby to her advantage and take command of the party planning committee, and that is exactly what we see in uh, the premiere this week as uh, she really really kind of tries to exert herself. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't work out quite as well as her big party for Toby. Angela, you'll go to the supermarket and get the New York cheesecake. Make sure it's the generic one. It's Stanley's favorite. Yes, uh, I've replaced Angela as head of the party planning committee. I guess I was just in the right place at the right time. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Good. I have a crazy idea. What if we did um, fruit instead of cake? Cake? Who suggested cake? Tell us. 
we lost weight today, I think it's okay to reward ourselves once in a while. Are you kidding me? We only lost one pound, fellas. What is wrong with these people? They have no willpower. I went, I once went 28 years without having sex. And then again for seven years. Oh, Michael, the man with the mighty willpower. <laughs> it was all a choice <laughs> to be celibate. Well, yeah, yeah. there is still a lot of willpower aspect, even if it's not your choice. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about that. But, you know, so there we we see, like I said, Phyllis uh, trying to take control of everything, but again, failing. <laughs> Orders the cake, uh, isn't losing any weight, and we'll see this a little bit later on. But uh, <laughs> during the party, you know, it's like everyone's sitting around eating fruit and playing this, like, Dolly Parton music. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and everyone just like, oh, this is the lamest party ever. And, uh, of course, Ronnie then, I think that's maybe what gets her fired. She asks anybody <laughs> if they want to dance. And everyone just slowly walks away. Yeah, that was a little uncomfortable, wasn't it? I, I was a little disappointed there wasn't more of the whole uh, blackmail aspect here from Phyllis. Although, like you were saying, there was so much in this episode, I guess that's a plot line they could continue on for future episodes. Yeah, I mean, I can see as long as they got the Andy and Dwight and Angela thing going on, that's going to be a part of it. I don't know how many more episodes we're going to go before we see the result of that, but I'm imagining that she's going to use it and abuse it while she can. The thing is, once it comes out, of course, then it becomes meaningless, so... Angela may have her revenge, after all. Like many of our other episodes that we've seen, like, uh, of course, Diversity Day and, uh, God, so many other ones I can't even think of them individually anymore, we have another classic, several classic conference room scenes in this particular episode. And in the first one, uh, Michael really kind of lays into the guys in the office because after a first big week, like they lost collectively 31 pounds in that first week, uh, the next week, I think they gain four pounds. Yeah. And then they lose one pound the next week. And, well, this isn't quite going the way Michael wanted it to. People, this is not just about winning some extra vacation days. This is about a very cool HR initiative that if we don't follow, we are all going to die of obesity. So how much are we going to lose? I would like to lose 65 pounds. Yes. All right. Who else? Angela, can I put you down for 10 pounds? No. My doctor wants me to gain weight. If you gain weight, you will die. I want you to live forever. I want us all to live forever. How? How are we going to do this? Cryogenics. Bear me five. This is how we're going to do it. Five pounds. I'm asking each of you to lose five pounds. That plus Jim's 65 give us a very good chance at winning this thing. All right, a nice kind of random throwback to the Beer Me Five. <laughs> That's right. And I, I love the little touches in that scene where, of course, Dwight is taking feverish notes in his little notepad, everything that Michael says. Well, Better get this down. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, someday it's going to be a, a best-selling book, perhaps. And I thought the other cool thing about this uh, scene was the fact that he referred to it as a very cool HR initiative, which was definitely getting on Holly's good list. And, again, shows him how much he's changed because everything HR was previously poison, and now it's a cool initiative. Well, so. that's, yeah, that's kind of my question, and this maybe is blindingly obvious, but, I mean, yeah, the only reason he gives a shit about this whole thing in any way is just to try to be on board with Holly, obviously. Um, 
he's well, I, obviously, I think that, that that's a part of it. But I, don't you think that if corporate had some contest, he'd be all up for the corporate contest and try to win and be a good leader to lead his troops across the finish line as the biggest losers? Well, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I don't see him working that hard without Holly being there. Maybe. Him trying to impress her. Because uh, he and Holly and who else? Oscar and Andy and Kelly are basically the only people in there who are doing anything. <laughs> Kelly obviously weighed more than is healthy and necessary. And even with all that stuff, I can't believe that they didn't gain or they didn't lose any weight, really, after that. <laughs> Uh, who, what was going on? Kevin, uh, Phyllis, porking on the pounds. Stanley was on his own little uh, Black Power kind of weight loss program there. Yeah, well, that that, <laughs> that photo of him was precious. It was, yeah. uh, that was amazing. Check but out these even, biceps, Kevin. Yeah, they were fighting the power and eating anything they wanted. <laughs> but the thing, I, but even he only lost what seven pounds over eight weeks. Yeah. So that wasn't exactly the biggest. Weight loss, you know. Well, but still, he's he's at least going down one pound a week, or so, I guess. You know, you get, lifting those bundles of paper with your feet only goes so far. Michael, desperate, supposedly caring about his employees' health, I I probably don't think he really cares that much. But then again, you know what? He is always the father of mm -hmm. that family, so maybe that is all mixed together. Maybe he really does worry about them dying of obesity. I don't know. <laughs> Um, well, so this is the thing, man. Of course, they're they're trying very hard. Everyone's, you know, well, the core few people are trying very hard to lose weight. And unfortunately, there is a rogue element in the office. And uh, Dwight and Michael will not stand for it. They should not be in that room. That's so lame they didn't invite us. You know what we should do? We should have a party and not invite them. Yeah. Let's go mini-golfing. <laughs> yeah? Oh, uh, hey, could I have a rain check on the mini-golf? I uh, actually have a date tonight. I'm going to be a total disaster. But, um, I think you'll have fun because men from Scranton are handsome and they know how to show them a good time. Not that guy who murdered his mother. He was not so handsome. <laughs> also, Kevin. You know what? We're pretty much done here today. Why don't you just take off early? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Wish me luck. Good luck. Hey. Mm. Oh, Holly doesn't need luck. Everyone that meets her instantly loves her. Exactly. You know, Kevin, I, I could make such a devastating clip montage of all these lines about Kevin. I think you would cry. I think you really would. <laughs> I very well might, especially uh, since I couldn't even add math earlier. But anyway, and I, I thought that was a really cool scene. They were shooting through the, the paper mills there and everything. And, of course, Michael's idea of a party, mini-golf, right? That just shows you what his mindset is at. And it shows you how much she's actually into it because she actually says, oh, yeah, I really want to go, but I can't make it tonight. You know, as if anybody would go with Michael to his own secret party <laughs> other than Dwight, <laughs> perhaps. And so Holly's got the feelers out there. Michael, throughout the whole episode, is kind of planting those lame little lines about, you know, Scranton men. Yep. <laughs> Scranton men are fantastic. <laughs> oh, and then, of course, Kevin. Well, and then, of course, at the end of that scene where Dwight just lays the karate chop on that cheesecake. <laughs> I mean, what was that all about? I don't know. And it goes right into Michael's suit, too. It was... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Dwight's got been a little too amped up from the Summer Olympics, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, like we said, Kevin, who, th who would have thought it? Who would have expected it? Once again, here he is coming into the office. 
with his same lame ass. <laughs> Here's my favorite branch, and uh, unfortunately, I don't know how he has the hubris to come back to such a place that was like the downfall of his career. So I don't know. Ryan is one sad, sad fellow. Ronnie was blech. Things were at an all-time sad here. But then I got an email from Ryan that he was coming back to town, and I called the temp agency, and I told them, I will pay you any amount. Just give me Ryan Howard. Give him to me. I want him. I need him. And you got a goatee. I did. Did you get that after you helped me move and you saw mine? Yes. Goatee. Jim, I want to apologize for how I treated you last year. I lost sight of myself, and now that I've quit the rat race, I realize there's so much more to life than being the youngest VP in the company's history. I've even started um, volunteering, giving back to the community. Oh, that's great. You're talking about your court order community service? I don't need a judge to tell me to keep my community clean. But he did, right? All right. All right. Oh, snap. <laughs> I'm so gay for Jim Halpert right now. <laughs> that was such an awesome scene. Well, and they both did a good job there, too. I thought it was great. Do you have the abs for it, Kevin? No, no, I don't. All but right, well. I'm not in his league. But in any case, yeah, that, that's the whole scene. And, it, and you made reference to the 9-11 uh, quote earlier as well. And this, I, I love the return of Ryan. I, I, I like this Ryan, the humble pie eating Ryan. The, you know, he's coming down to earth, he's got to go back, he's having Michael help him move, how humiliating must that be? But then again, he, he, I think he forgot what it was like to be in the office, and Michael copying his goatee right away, I think, is a cold splash of water on his face. But that's the thing, though, man, he's not, he's not down to earth. This is still Ryan the total douchebag. Oh, he's, oh, of course. He's. It's still that same caricature that he was last season. Now, I, I was never really a huge fan of that super evil, like, twirling his mustache character from last year. And, you know, what happened to the guy that was sort of, you know, we could relate to him, the little guy that was put upon by Michael and we felt really bad for him and, you know, he was uh, clever enough to crush, crush up the aspirin and the chocolate pudding and all that kind of stuff. Now he's back, totally humiliated, you know, comes back to his same hometown gets a job at the same place where everyone knows he's a failure and a loser, and then is like Richard Nixon with his freaking little enemies list. <laughs> it was it was a funny gag. Kevin, you know, writes his name on the list, and then Jim writes his name on the list. I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what's going on with that character this season because I can't imagine any human being would put himself back through that same stuff and maybe it's just that he fell so far and has nothing like we talked about last year the same reason he was so happy to see michael and dwight in new york city the mm -hmm. fact that he is such an empty guy and has no friends and no family i uh, you know i guess maybe he has nowhere else to turn maybe despite everything else he somehow thinks he's what gonna rise back up through the company i, I think that's exactly what he thinks he's how on earth that. could he possibly think that I, I it's baffling i don't know he I wish that we would have gotten this character coming back actually feeling sorry about what happened and actually feeling bad and actually kind of realizing he was a total douche. You wanted the episode called The Arraignment? Is that what you wanted? <laughs> I just, I don't, you know, I just wanted him to, it'd be nice to see him come back as a real person and not still the cartoon villain, I guess, that he was. And maybe we'll get that over the course of the season. I don't know. He's obviously trying to get with Kelly, but that's, of course, very cynical as well. 
where mm-hmm. suddenly he wants her again, and suddenly you know he stands up, she's perfect. I, I'd like to see a real guy and, and feel sorry for him again, like uh, I sort of did in the earlier two seasons. Fair enough. Well, like I said, we'll see more of that. Now, unfortunately for Michael and Jim, their relationship during this course of the episode really sours because Michael hears at one of the weigh-ins, Holly talking to Oscar about going on her date with the yoga instructor, and it's an 8.5, and, you know, he's going to call her back, and Michael is just, (laughs) he so desperately wants to say something, but he can't get the words out because of Jim's prodding or training about not going crazy, and once uh, he gets back up to the office, he really takes Jim to task. Close the door. This is your fault. No. Your stupid friend zone. Mm. I should have been lovers with her first and then friends. That was terrible advice. Terrible advice. You know my seduction method. I like to get in there and get my hands dirty. You sabotage me. You sabotage me, man. And if you see the deleted scenes, there's actually yeah. a, a couple other really important scenes that play up that plot line a lot more. The way it left there, there really was no consequence to it, other than Michael just being kind of upset and ranting a little bit. Um, in the deleted scenes, we see Michael uh, telling Dwight to take Jim's chair away <laughs> for, the, for the week as a punishment for his uh, sabotage. And he actually tells him to get his ass out of his face. (laughs) And he's really upset and much more serious with the deleted scenes. I think without the deleted scenes, it's just, it's just sort of Michael having a little fit. Yeah. Which is where it should be because this is the point where I don't know what kind of advice Jim is saying at this point, but he has gotten the friend zone. He's made and formed a relationship Now's the point where he needs to make a move. And, of course, as we learn later, he makes a move, but the wrong kind. So, but again, the season's young. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I don't know. I think he's coming down a little harsh on Jim in this instance. I mean, what? Michael, you didn't ask her out, you know? You're still doing that thing. Well, no. I mean, that's obviously, you know, the fact is that Jim's been the only one saving his life through this whole thing so far, telling him to back off and slow down and get to know her and everything else. Uh, but, you know, Michael now sees that slipping away, so, of course, he he doubts the most obvious advice and uh, wants to get back in there. My seduction method is getting my hands dirty. <laughs> I don't even want to know what that means. <laughs> All right, well, as we talked about this before, as the office keeps really not losing any weight, Dwight steps up his role as the office enforcer and really calls out Kevin and Phyllis and Stanley telling them they need to get liposuction <laughs> uh, paid for at their own expense and <laughs> that they're dragging the office down and well <laughs> Dwight pulls probably about the best prank I guess that uh, we've seen in quite a while hey Phyllis listen I'm really sorry about what I said before okay I was way out of line yes you were but you know what I want to make it up to you there is a surefire sale but it's a two-man job. Interested? Split the commission? 60-40. I'll drive. Are you insane? Hey, hey. God, what happened? There was no client. Dwight drove me to an abandoned warehouse five miles away and pushed me out of the car. I had to walk home with no money and no phone. And you burned over a thousand calories walking home. And this branch just got a little bit closer to winning the contest. Phyllis Vance, ladies and gentlemen. You asked me to that part of town. 
Yeah, I took your purse. What are you worried about? Phyllis Vance for David Wallace. Man, that was kind of a tense little moment there when she was calling for Wallace. I didn't really know what was going to happen. Not not, uh, not too much. We get uh, a little bit of an HR reprimand from <laughs> from the guys in the next scene. But, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's pretty hilarious, I gotta say. Poor Phyllis. Well, the seduction part on Dwight's end was pretty effective, I thought, and again, <laughs> very enjoyable for me. And, you know, I've talked about the fact that Phyllis is not my favorite character on the show, but I thought she, the actress, did a really good job with that uh, reaction scene as well. So, I, again, I was very, very satisfied. I enjoyed that immensely. You know, I guess Dwight soon forgets about the flashers. From <laughs> from season three there, as far as what could happen to poor old Phyllis without her purse. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, it's, I just I love that telling you. And you've burned a thousand calories. Let's give it up for Phyllis, everyone. <laughs> After the call to David Wallace, of course, then we have come down from on high the HR meeting, another conference room meeting, where we find out that these guys are going a little overboard. Kelly gets called out for her crazy practices of drinking the uh, honey and was it lemons and cayenne pepper maple syrup <laughs> exactly <laughs> for five meals uh, or whatever three days in a row for three meals a day and uh, you know everyone else is going kind of crazy and dwight's little stunt there so holly kind of comes in and and tries to restore order and some sense but unfortunately michael comes in uh, with <laughs> the goofiest character since prison mike Body image. We are here because there is something wrong with society. See, you're always saying there's something wrong with society, but maybe there's something wrong with you. If it's me, then society made me that way. Now, I know a lot of you are probably asking yourself, why are you dressed in a plus-size suit? Because you're kind of doing Michael Klump. Uh, how do you know Michael Klump? Because it's your making fun of fat people character. How dare you? Michael Klump is a celebration of fat people. I think of him as more like a monster. What about, I say, I say, I say, I'll sit on you. No, 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 look, look. I say, I say, I say, I'll sit on no, you. No, 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 no. You know what? <laughs> Fat people are not monsters. Why don't you guys have a little more sensitivity to the subject? Bang, boom, case in point. Look at the outside of this building. It is ugly. But you come inside, and it is beautiful. You know, the most baffling character I've seen in quite a while there. He, uh, no, I'm assuming that's supposed to be his white take on uh, the Nutty Professor yeah. characters. And he, <laughs> with every step he makes, he has the bang-boom sound effects. Um, <laughs> he posts up, again, another you know, string of famous portraits on the wall. Now, let's go down the list of people. The, uh, the two fat twins from the Guinness Book of World Records that ride the motorcycles. Uh-huh. Um, Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> a pig. Elvis. And I couldn't make up the other one. I don't know if it was a Tyler Perry dressed up as Medea or something. I don't know what it was. Well, and and the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> what is he going to do? This pig is beautiful. <laughs> Why would he? That's the most ridiculous thing ever. I don't know. That's the. But I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned Prison Mike because this is a character that I would not mind seeing a return of. Where <laughs> unlike Prison Mike, where you know they need to lock him back up. Where I just thought that was funny, and, and I just again loved the fact that Oscar was throwing out, "Oh, you're doing this, and this is how he acts." And Dwight's like, "No, it's like this." I, I thought that <laughs> this was so well written, put together. Now, how is yeah. Michael so baffled that they didn't they knew who Michael Klump was? Yeah, I, you know I don't know, but. <laughs> 
because he's got the goatee. He's a completely different character, right? I, I suppose. <laughs> Michael Culp is a celebration of fat people. Yeah. Well, i got to say, you mentioned Kelly in here, and I, I thought that her whole talking head early in the episode where she looked like she was near death. <laughs> Grim death and, warmed and over. And she'd ordered, you know, a bikini, and she was a size two. I just thought that was so well done. <laughs> uh, and throughout the whole episode where she, you know, you think a woman – would would overreact to this sort of diet situation. I think that that was well played up, and that she would be the logical character to have done that. And uh, I, again, I really love that way that that whole thing was written. And it was ironic in a way, right? That Daryl's the person who isn't doing any dieting, and you know he's involved with Kelly, but well, she's gonna look amazing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. She had the worst of it, obviously. Um, I don't know about the other people in the office. Meredith didn't really seem to care, and Phyllis obviously didn't care. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess they had a little wide spectrum of different viewpoints. Uh, of the guys, we were talking about that, though. Um, remember from the very beginning of the episode, we have Oscar and Andy Andy talking about how he hasn't eaten in, like, three days? <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't seem to be working, does it? Well, he's the one that gets really pissed off that it's, no one's losing it. I mean, he, we sort of saw the return of really angry Andy. Yeah, I, I love that part at the end where he, you know, we're going to make way and we'll do it a, a good old-fashioned sweat lunch. I thought that that was, that was the Andy <laughs> I want to see more of. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Of course, I haven't had a very hard life. Yeah, and he never loses, and if he does lose, then he quits because due to unfair rules. Uh, like you said, a couple of classic Andy Bernard lines in there. But yeah, we saw the return of angry upset Andy and Michael Klump. I don't know. There you go, folks. Another another character <laughs> to see the return of. I don't know. It's a good thing that Michael bought his sumo suit. And there's another. See, there's another throwback to uh, Beach uh, Games. To Beach Games. There you go. So look at all these little references they're dropping in here to Season 3 and Season 4. They're pleasing the fans, my friend. Alright, well, as the last week of the weigh-in comes and goes, we find out then Holly comes in to to talk to Michael about the fact that uh, they're not going to be able to win, and Michael once again sort of tries to insert himself into Holly's life. Oh, hey. Did he call? I just got a... Kendall? I just got No, a, no. Did I heard you talking to Oscar about that guy. What What happened? Did he call? Oh, no. Really? No. Ah. And you know what? I even got two tickets to see the Counting Crows tonight as a surprise. Why do guys not call when they say they're going to call? I don't know. I always call everybody back right away. But he'll call back, though. Give him the end of the day. He'll call. He'll okay. call. If he doesn't, he is loco. <laughs> Thanks. Sweet. Anyways, um, seems like we lost to Utica by only eight pounds. Uh, well, at least everyone lost weight. That's all that really matters. Wait, could we have till the end of the day? So, Michael, then, of course, his fires are still burning. Now, what would have really made this episode is some smack talk with Miss Filippelli, perhaps. That would have been a nice little cameo, even if it was only audio, perhaps, because they definitely had that branch. You know, they uh, think about branch wars from last year. They had such a heated rivalry. Uh, maybe it's like you said earlier that they, they really maybe should have played that up a little bit more. Well, no, that's a, that's another example of something that could have been bigger if the episode was constructed differently. I, I don't disagree about that. I guess the other thing, too, is you got to get people extra characters if you're going to do that. Well, just, you know, like I say, call on the phone or some little, you know, ha-ha-ha, we beat you 
kind of thing. It wouldn't have taken all that much. Just a simple phone call, but still, I'm sure uh, I'm sure Rashida Jones was really busy with her Fox sitcom. I mean, oops. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, well, they, they're going to lose the Utica. Michael still has however many hours left in the day, and he's not going to let that stand. So that's where we get, of course, Andy cranking up the uh, thermostat. Everyone's walking around wearing garbage bags, trying that last second wrestlers shedding the pounds kind of techniques there and i the favorite that i guess my funny my favorite thing from that little scene is where michael clump spent all that time telling kelly how she's beautiful and that she has to stop <laughs> dieting and she has to just stop acting crazy and then there, she's in the break room eating a pizza with this most contented joyous look on her face like you've never seen her happier and michael comes busting in you know what are you doing we have a contest still to win well, at 5 p.m., uh, the final way off, one last time down there in the warehouse. And unfortunately, it doesn't go quite the way they want, but Michael has one last chance to step up and score some big points with Holly. I guess that's curtains for the yoga guy. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I have to say, I think the problem with that whole thing yeah. was that he was a complete stupid idiot. <laughs> Oh man, I really wanted to see them. I know. I I love I love. Look at where my seats were. Wow, really? That's a shame. Shame to waste these. I want to buy them from you. Michael, you don't do. have to no, buy them. I do. I I want to. Trust me, I really do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I want you to just forget about them, okay? Case closed. Man, Kevin, if I can borrow a line from this summer's Get Smart, missed it by that <laughs> much. <laughs> All right. Well, if you couldn't tell from the audio, of course, if you haven't seen the show, Michael buys the tickets and then proceeds to rip up the tickets in a misguided attempt to, as he says, not have her worry about it, not have her worry about the cost uh, of the tickets. So, you know, he thinks he's doing some big gentlemanly maneuver, which, of course, everyone is screaming at him for being such a moron, including myself. Yes. No, and it was so obvious that she totally wanted him in that scene. And, you know, you don't have to buy them. I'll take you, right? He's too (laughs) stupid to just let her say it. And, of course, tearing them up. Oh, actually, he didn't really buy them. It was really more of an IOU, right? Because <laughs> he says he has a $60 limit on his ETM. Yeah. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, well, I'll pay you tomorrow. <laughs> now, now, by the way, Matt, did you notice the continuity error with this episode and that scene? Um, are you talking about the goatee? No, I'm not. I did a little research, and Counting Crows... On tour in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and New York at that time, but not on on August 11th. Oh, so well, that's uh, I, know, that, I, that's the kind of thing that just blows, blows I my realism. <laughs> I hate this episode now. No, you know, I, no, I was going to talk about. So we're talking about continuity errors. Let's go back because a lot of people pointed out that there was a goatee continuity yeah. error. Did you catch yeah. that? Um, yeah. because the, the big gag is, of course, that Michael. At the beginning of the summer is, of course, clean-shaven when Ryan shows up after he sees Ryan's goatee, that he grows the goatee. And then later on at the final weigh-in, after Ryan shaves it off, Michael shaves it off, leaving Dwight. 
<laughs> there with this little pathetic scraggly looking goatee. And that's the gag. But then if you pay close attention, uh, there's the scene where Michael and Holly are in the break room and Jim has that talking out about how with Pam being gone, he has to talk to his coworkers now. And Michael is clean shaven again in there, which is obviously a continuity error. And it seems obvious to me that they just simply edited the episode incorrectly. They took a scene from the earlier Mm-hmm. Uh, earlier half hour and stuck it in the second half hour because remember when these play in syndication they're going to play as half hour episodes so perhaps they felt that the second half needed a little more where's Pam kind of stuff continuity error unfortunately but uh, you know hey we'll let it go this time yeah I mean uh, worse sins have been made yeah like the Counting Crows thing I'm never yeah. going to forget that man <laughs> All right, well, you know, all told, like we said, okay, let's resum this all up again. A lot of stuff happened, a lot of plot there with Michael. Of course, it didn't go really where I wanted it to go. I'm hoping that maybe it will. Uh, again, if he ends up with Jan, I'm going to really be upset. Now, one of our listeners, or I think Luke, pointed out in the blog page comments that there was a poll on the EW website about who Michael should end up with, and... Something like 85% of the people said he should end up with Holly. And that goes to my question last week. Like, who the hell wants these two to get back together? Uh, hardly anyone. So let's, come on, writers, give us a little something here. No, I agree. I think uh, a Jan, a scoring to Jan in a power position above Michael would be real interesting for the show. I guess the, really the big trick is getting Amy Ryan to commit to being on a sitcom. Yeah, and I don't the way it's going right now. I mean, who knows? With only six episodes on you know on the contract, I suppose she could extend that. She seems to be very happy with working there. But yeah, as someone with a possible burgeoning movie career, I suppose mm-hmm. that uh, you know it might not be the quite the draw as it is. But uh, anyway, and right. and you know, as if this episode couldn't end worse enough with the stupid Michael Scott routine there, tearing up the tickets. We have a way to a worse bumper than we could possibly imagine. Yeah, this is really the most pathetic, uh, lamest, like terrible ending of the show ever, I think. And it uh, answers yet another question: What has happened to our dear friend Toby Flenderson? (laughs) I'm ziplining my third day in Costa Rica. Because the harness wasn't strapped in exactly right, I broke my neck. And I've been in a hospital five weeks now. I still haven't seen the beach. Nice to have visitors. Flenderson! (laughs) (laughs) That guy is so pathetic. I mean, even me with my Flenderson hate, I mean, I... How can you not feel such pity and pathetic sympathy for that guy? I don't know. It's so sad. Well, as a, as a show bumper, that's a pretty good scene. And I guess there was a deleted scene where they showed him talking to Oscar on the phone before the zip cord in- incident. Mm-hmm. And it was much more effective to just have it, him appear right at the end like that. And, you know, he's not my favorite character at all. I'd much rather have Holly around. I have to admit that that was kind of a funny way to, to really <laughs> Stick it to that character and really, like you said, make him even more pathetic than normal. So, did, did you notice what was playing on the TV? Yes, I did. It was Entourage in, <laughs> in Spanish. And it was actually, they said, hug it out, bitch, in Spanish. So, that was, uh, yeah, quite the moment there <laughs> in the show. You know, that's the thing. I know there's a lot of Flenderson lovers out in our audience. And as we said last week, 
they've talked about how Toby's going to have a terrible time and then return back to Scranton after this. So I'm assuming that we're going to see him in a few more half, you know, I don't know if Amy Ryan's going to be in just the first six episodes and he's going to come back or, uh, or what the deal is going to be with that. But I mean, I definitely think that we're going to see him making a return. And Kevin, the one thing that you didn't mention about that deleted scene, I don't know if you caught this or not, but uh, when he's talking to Oscar on Skype or whatever he was using there, <laughs> he makes some comments about how he met a wonderful couple and how he's like really into the girl in the couple. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So it was just like more more Toby patheticness there. They to go zip lining with this and an, another Jim and Pam. Well maybe he touched the woman's knee in an inappropriate way and that guy <laughs> was the one who accidentally left the cord a little loose. Oh man. Flenderson cannot win. Alright, well let's uh go on into the Dwandigela plot line here. This is like I said, I've never been a huge Andy fan, but if you're ever gonna feel sorry for the guy I mean, this is really the, the episode to really start to feel sorry for him. Um, he brought to my attention that the NBC has put up an Andy and Angela wedding website with uh, <laughs> much similar themes to this kind of stuff that happened in this episode here. Andy is uh, definitely, shall I say, the woman <laughs> in this relationship. Uh, very, very concerned with getting everything right, as, as we'll find out. It, it is every little boy's dream. Hey, check it out. This is the Breakers, Newport, Rhode Island. Huge, awesome, gorgeous mansion overlooking the Atlantic. And my dad went to Cornell with the current groundskeeper. Every little boy fantasizes about his fairy tale wedding. No, no. That's where my parents decided not to get divorced. I don't care. Okay. How do you feel about Maine? I'm on it. I'll see you later, love. We done good in there, Alfred. Well, that was the last time, Dwight. I mean it. Monkey. No, no, I have a fiance I very much like. Dwight's post coital conversational skills are quite disturbing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we done good in there, Alfred. Oh, he calls her monkey. I mean very <laughs> scary. <laughs> very scary. But there's you know, it's like so again, talking about pathetic, we get right when he's trying to talk about his honeymoon and you know where they should go or hold the wedding. Uh, she's dialing the phone as he's talking to her to ring Dwight's buzzer for their booty call down in the storage room. I don't know. It's the saddest thing I can think of, man. Well, obviously there's something going on. She's deeply conflicted. I'm not sure I understand why she's still with Andy at this point, because clearly she's got it for Dwight. But, uh, you know, I can't say that this plot line isn't hilarious. And some of the just some of the stuff that Andy was doing in this with the you know Ella Ella, Ella <laughs> had that really dumb haircut and all the different places he could find it you know to get married and she just is not giving him a break at all. I just I thought it was just really great and I I loved the the interaction between the three of them and the the way the cameraman was working the angles on the uh, the buzzing of the of the of the, the beeper. Yeah, and creepier as hell, too, when Dwight there gives a little knowing nod to the cameraman after getting his nooner action there. Uh, very, very disturbing, man. Which leads us into this next <laughs> next clip here, which is, again, if you weren't paying attention, you might not have not quite have caught the cameraman's original question here. Hey, what's up? 
since Moret Lady has such particular impossible to perceive taste, I have made non-refundable deposits at four totally different wedding locales. Hot air balloons over Napa Valley, world famous Walt Disney's Epcot Center, scuba diving wedding in the Bahamas, and the Wilkes-Barre Marriott Ballroom Sea. Dangerous, tacky, sharks, haunted. No. We have to make this fast. Let's do this thing. Hey! I have a nice comforter and several cozy pillows. I usually read a chapter of a book and it lights out by 8.30. That's how I sleep at night. Oh, snap again. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's that's a pretty good talking head, i got to say. Yeah, definitely. A, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever had such a insulting question given to one of these guys in the show. <laughs> How do you sleep at night, Angela? Well, I, I and I thought I love the the different you know non refundable reservations <laughs> that Andy put together there, all these different things and all of her objections, dangerous, tacky, sharks yeah. haunted, haunted. <laughs> yeah, damn ballroom C. I'm telling you, I, I should have gone there when I was in Scranton. There is no Wilkes-Barre Marriott, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Kevin, guess, again, you're shattering my image here. What are you doing to me? I, I guess they didn't want to, you know, cause the people cause from Marriott to get mad, mad at them, you know, the damn haunted hotel and Haunt, Haunted ballroom C, all right. <laughs> it could have done irreparable damage to their reputation. All right, well, so Angela, despite being a massive, massive bitch and uh, quite a skank on top of that, is still wooed over temporarily by... The force of Andy's love. Sweetheart, just so you know, I don't care where we get married. I'll marry you right here in this building. I'll marry you in the parking lot. I'll marry you in the eye of a hurricane in the middle of a snowstorm on top of a monsoon. All I care about is that we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. So there we go, a little bit of humanity. She's wowed back uh, by the same guy there who sang, of course, the fabulous song the first time to, to woo her. <laughs> well, and of course, then the the, the punchline there with Dwight coming out of the supply room, looking around, going, "Wait, where is she?" <laughs> yeah. So at least for one day, he temporarily stopped her from banging Dwight in the storage room. But that was a really great scene for, for fans of Andy, for sure, because he really he laid it out there, and he, you can see why, at least to some degree, she's still with him. And, again, good Andy, full, making him a full-rounded character, giving him something to do this season, uh, that's definitely one of the things I'm looking forward to. He uh, definitely is a much more sympathetic character to either Angela or Dwight at the moment, I have to say. All right, well, uh, with that, then, Angela temporarily, like I said, is sort of wooed over back to the Andy side. But unfortunately, Andy comes up with a deal-breaker. I hate to even ask, because you've been so accommodating about all the ways Your that... wish is my command. Is there any way our first dance can be to my favorite song, The Little Drummer Boy? Of course. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great song. I always thought it was bigger than Christmas anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know what? The guys already know it, so it's easy breezy. The guys? I didn't tell you. Mm-mm. Here Comes Trouble, Class of 96, was available for our big day, so I booked them. I don't think that... And they're collectively my best man. And they're crashing with us for three weeks, so... 
totally works out. I don't know if I want your old college acapella group to be our wedding band. Okay, I hear you, sweetheart. But this is a deal breaker. Let's talk about this later. Man, so there you go. One mention of <laughs> here comes trouble, and there goes the beeper again. One more time. That was a pretty funny list of uh, nicknames there for that group too. I mean, boner <laughs> champ. I mean, how can you beat that? Yeah, I know. Puby Lewis in the news. Well, see the word sandwich. <laughs> I don't know, but you guys, I, yeah, of course. I mean, we feel for Andy, but then right when he's gonna maybe get his way, we have the twelve man <laughs> acapella group gonna stay with them for three weeks. Got to crash with him, whatever. Perfect. But, but at least he he did put his foot down and said, this is a deal breaker. So maybe that will be a point of contention in future weeks or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I, you felt like Andy was giving and giving and giving, and he stood his ground a little bit on this one. I, I, I did like that. All right. Well, what will happen to Mr. Bernard? Will he have his heart dashed? I'm afraid it's only a matter of time. All right. And speaking of couples that are meant to be... <laughs> Let's go back to the Jim and Pam plot line. As we said last time, the most cliffhangery aspect of last season there was the aborted proposal where Jim slipped the ring right back in the pocket. Uh, Pam expressed her displeasure at the fact that Jim didn't man up and propose. And we weren't very thrilled, obviously, with that whole way the scene ended. Um and damn it, the writers sure the hell went out of their way to uh, fix that for us right quick. So you have the directions. Yeah. You have a toothbrush. Yes. You have a cell phone charger. I have everything. Tomorrow I start a three-month design program at the Pratt Institute in New York. I will be a little fish in the Big Apple. What up, 212? Fax this for me? Come on, man. She goes to New York in like 10 minutes. It's not going to take her 10 minutes to fax it, Jim. If I don't see you again, goodbye. Well, actually, I'll see you when you give me the fax confirmation, so never mind. Why haven't I proposed yet? Uh, actually, Pam and I talked about it, and we just decided that um, well, we didn't want to spend the first three months of our engagement apart. And uh, Pam's always said she doesn't want a long engagement. Something in her past, I guess. I'm not really sure of the whole story, but something about a guy who used to work here. Yeah, whatever happened to that guy, anyway? <laughs> He's a distant memory at this point. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. Well, could that talking head by Pam, the two on two, could that have been any cure? I'm just well, saying. If if Jim's gonna throw around the words that Holly's a dork, I think we need to say that Pam is a big dork as well. <laughs> the two one two thing, yeah, that was that was a little dorky, but hey, cute, I loved it. Cute and endearing. Now, now, do you think that Jim and Pam actually did talk about this, or is this something that Jim is just saying to the camera? Well, I, I don't see why he would lie unless he okay. just, what do you want to cover up the fact that he didn't have any balls yeah maybe but <laughs> uh, so i think i think it was that was a really good way to address all the things we've been talking about very well that, that we talked about it here's what's going to happen and, and and then of course we come into the the series we talked about it last week when's the proposal going to come oh maybe because it'll come in sweeps month or after for the super bowl and then you hear that line and you think well okay it's definitely not happening <laughs> and we get a little psyched there at the end. I thought that was yeah, great. They, they keep doing that to us. Now, uh, let me ask you. You talked about wanting a short engagement. Do you think that we'll actually have a wedding by the end of the season? Well, based on the way things have been going, Kevin, um, I would say yes, that we probably will, and that probably will be maybe the sweeps thing. Uh, however, someone else I, in one of the comments, either last episode or 
one of the episodes prior so that they hoped that they would actually get married off screen because ever since Phyllis's wedding that really having two weddings with Michael running around acting like an idiot would not really cut the mustard so I don't know what do you think about that idea I think that's a horrible idea you, yeah. you don't have the two central characters who have been in love for the whole show get married off screen it's a big turn off so you want to see no. the hour long you know special with Roy crashing the wedding and all that kind of stuff Absolutely. <laughs> Bring him back. All right. Uh, well, I don't know. I wouldn't mind, I guess. We'll see what happens. But they tend to keep screwing us, like we said. You know, we didn't think the proposal was going to come, and then they do it in the first episode. So uh, I can see him doing it. I can see him doing them, having them getting married, perhaps off screen. Um, maybe they come back from New York or something to be like, yeah, hey, yeah, we got married. So I don't know. We still have, by my calculations now, the, the institute, the art internship or the art program is supposed to last for three months right mm-hmm. and the first episode only got us through eight weeks so yeah. basically we have another full month of pam being in art school being gone where i guess ryan will be the receptionist and i'm assuming then that we're going to keep building despite the proposal that we're still going to build more uh, of the rich summer character into it or is that just not even going to factor in the show, do you think? I think Rich Summer was, as they say, a red herring. All right. Well, it could be. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they want to play with our delicate hearts like that. But, I mean, we still have another month left. So, I mean, there, if there's going to be something to happen, I mean, there still can be something that happens. Well, maybe it's, if she didn't have the ring, maybe something would happen. But she's got a ring in her finger, so nothing's going to happen now. Well, but, you know, she might realize that she loves the freedom of New York City and doesn't want to go back to Scranton. Well, so. I mean, nothing in terms of breaking the relationship. Well, Pam staying in New York, that's a whole different issue. Well, that could break the relationship. She also, you know, she might have this time apart to realize that she doesn't want to live with another man so quickly or whatever. You know, who knows? It's just, they never are going to have it be the easy path, I guess. I, I, I'm, I'm just too suspicious. So we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see what happens. All right. And as we mentioned before, of course, with Pam being gone, we have our old friend Ronnie stepping up. And I thought this was a pretty, like I mentioned earlier, pretty hilarious, self-effacing line from Jim Halpert. Dunder Mifflin, this is Ronnie. I don't really know Ronnie, but I have a feeling I will get to know her very well over the next few years and eventually declare my love for her. What can you say about that line? Again, I, I, this was Jim's episode, and I, I didn't even think that that was one of his better lines, frankly, and that's still really good. So, uh, you know, they did a good job with Ronnie. They didn't overplay her, you know, too much in that episode. And uh, what's Jim to do but to uh, make fun of himself because he can't make fun of other people with Pam gone? Well, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe now he'll hook up with Ryan, perhaps. But you you know that Jim is definitely missing her. He's He's going to any lengths to try to keep a connection. That's true, and speaking of which, like I said, they get a little laptop-to-laptop action going on here, and again, it doesn't quite work out the way that uh, that they would have hoped. Pam Beasley! Hello! Hey, everybody, look! Pam! Pam! Say hi! Say hi to Pam! Can you put me down? I'm getting a little nauseous. Pam, I would like you to meet Ronnie. We call her Risa Ronnie. She is hilarious. She is wonderful. A beam of light 
in this dark, dark office. Not really so much. <laughs> all she does is plop herself down there and answer phones all day. The nerve. Oh, calm down, weirdo. Just a joke. She's such a weirdo! You know what? My real beef with her, though, Pam, is that she can't find those little colored paper clips that I like so much. Would you help her find them, please? They're on the supply shelf. Let's go! New York is so exciting. I love my classes. The city is awesome. Um, can you give me back to Jim now, please? God, and there's Michael being a total dick. <laughs> we haven't seen that in a, in a little while, so there you go. <laughs> She's the light of the office. She's wonderful. No, not really. <laughs> There was so many great lines in that. The nerve, <laughs> calm down, weirdo. And then I love the video talking head. Again, a great twist to come, you know, twist our perceptions of what the show's supposed to be on. I love that. Oh, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> their relationship is not going quite the way they would have thought it would in the office there. I'm surprised. You know, I guess we have to see it in the. Otherwise, if they do it at home, it wouldn't be on the show, but. Exactly. And then, of course, Jim goes and visits Pam. We find out she's a resident assistant, which seems odd if she's only going to be there for three months, right? Well, I suppose it's a summer program since she's I, uh, an elderly lady compared to some of these other kids. That I suppose. That, you know. so, and, of, and then you can see Jim watching a Phillies game. So oh. that whole Philadelphia sports angle continues for those who are <laughs> wanting that to happen. Yeah, we talked about that before about the cameraman uh getting locked out of the room and sighing and some of the other stuff that's going on there. Jim doesn't really see too much other than her dorm room, I guess. Very happy happy reunion, though, so lots of smiles on our faces as we watch. And speaking of Pam's friends and speaking of the aforementioned Rich Summer, our old madman buddy, um, here we get his first red herring-ish appearance. God. Uh, okay, everybody, just act normal. Don't say anything. What? My ex-girlfriend. She's right behind you. Really? Where? Me. No, no, don't. Wow, was it the age difference? Uh, actually, kind of. Yes, I just didn't like eating dinner that early. Hey, Jim. Um, can I call you back in a little bit? I made friends. Wow, I made friends. <laughs> It was kind of convenient that the the one minute that Jim happens to phone uh, Pam is when she's talking and making friends with the other students. <laughs> yeah. The documentary crew wouldn't have been with her the whole time. Otherwise, they'd be doing talking heads, you know, at school instead of on the video. But That is true. And that gets into that whole weird thing where we talked about this many times with how many people are are filming. You know, we can't – you start to think about it too logically that it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. So I guess <laughs> I guess we'll just uh, put it to rest there. That uh, the guy was just lurking, <laughs> lurking on campus all day, just waiting for that uh, <laughs> one call to pop through. All right. And we also see that other scene then later, like I mentioned, with uh, being in the lecture where they're mocking the old beardy professor guy right. and uh, laughing and chuckling and everything else. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, that seems like I just I can't believe they're just going to drop it after that one episode. Well, but I, I think that that's a setup. The whole I'm making friends thing is a setup for both the audience expectations that something might happen, but also we see the talking head with Jim where he talks about having an ulcer and the fact that he's not talking to her. He has family commitments. He maybe can't visit her as much as he wants. He is really kind of freaking out about this whole situation, and I, I think he's getting desperate. 
Yeah, well, I, I think you're right. They just put that stuff in there to make us really start to sweat <laughs> and wonder what was going to happen. But as we talked about, as you just mentioned there, then the Jim hasn't seen her in a while and is getting quite frustrated. Summer's going great. Just spent two hours listening to Michael Klump. Uh, I have a weird pain in my left side that I'm convinced is an ulcer. My girlfriend lives in New York, and I haven't seen her in 10 days. How's your summer? So, as it turns out, tonight is my nephew's t-ball game, and I kind of missed the first three, so... You've already disappointed him so much. He can't be expecting a lot from you. I know. I suck. Yes, you do. Dwight says hi. I do not. I do not say hi, Pam. I'm saying hi louder. Hey, listen, um, we're still good for this weekend, right? No um, t-ball games, recitals, karate tournaments. Yeah. Hey, can you go to IM? Okay. Okay. What are you writing about me? You know, I love that Dwight just goes out of his way to say that he's not saying hi. <laughs> well, it's very similar when he didn't want to say goodbye until the bitter end. <laughs> well, at least he did want to say goodbye, though. I guess. The other thing that I really liked about that clip there was, and you didn't play it, but the whole thing where Dwight says, you know, I'll write you up for wasting time, and then Jim immediately, I'll write you up. And I just well thought, played. again, <laughs> that was just awesome. He just kicked ass on that i just i'm so i'm sorry, it's such a boner for him tonight i don't know oh, what it is i mean he's so cool you're scaring me a little kevin uh i mean it's a good line of course it plays into the whole hierarchy and dwight's knowledge that jim is technically his superior so yeah i mean what is he gonna say i'll write you up yeah i'll write you up oh well played it's like a chess match you know <laughs> now we're stymie we can't write each other up uh well, as we didn't see, because it was typed on the screen, of course, during that IM conversation that Jim offers to meet Pam for lunch that very day at 1 p.m., meeting at uh, a rest stop halfway between the two cities where Jim apparently had spilled a soda on himself at some point. And here is the moment that all the jamsters have been waiting for, lo, these last five years. Hey, Michael, I just scheduled lunch with a client, so I might be back a little late. Okay, that is fine. Just water and be back by weigh-in. Okay. Perfect. Hey, this is not halfway. I did the math. I can drive way longer than you. Montclair would have been frustrating you can barely hear that in the course amidst the giant rain downpour that's going on and and you mentioned that apparently this is super romantic to have it raining like this i i, I don't know a lot of people look on the on <laughs> blog comment and they're like oh the rain it was perfect i'm like ah, that's it's news to me but apparently some people thought that that was great so well, it was uh it, i mean it was it didn't exactly knock her socks off as jim promised to do last year but I guess it was good enough. You know, he, he said he couldn't wait. He uh, he had to do it, and so he went down on the knee and proposed. She, of course, said yes, and everyone lived happily ever after. Well, I think that she was appropriately surprised given the buildup for kicking her ass. I mean, I thought that that part was uh, certainly well done, and I don't think we were, you know, at all expecting that or whatever before 
that whole scene came down. So, I, again, it kicked my ass. I'm sure it kicked Pam's ass. And it's too bad the audio sucked there. And I think you probably turned up the rain effects there, too. But in any case... Uh, no, those are those as best as I can get, I'm telling you. Uh, I guess when you can read lips, it, it sounds better. But in any case, <laughs> I, I loved it. There, you know, there were we were blowing hankies all night after that scene. So, I mean, that really does it for this episode, then. We have a lot of questions that were left unanswered last year, of course, now answered. So we have, in Season 5, we have that road, uh, you know, what role is Ryan going to play in the office? Is he going to be in the office for the whole season? Is he going to be the villain? Is he going to redeem himself somehow and stop being a total douchebag? You know, will we see the return of Troy, perhaps? Um, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen with Andy and Angela and Dwight? When is that going to be resolved and how quickly... And, of course, then we have a month left of Pam being in New York. So I, I have a feeling that something is going to come up, my friend. Well, Kevin, you and I pretty much talked about a lot of these deleted scenes, but let's just go ahead and roll the audio. As of uh, Monday, when we are recording the episode, we have only two deleted scenes posted. Uh, it did explain some of the mysteries, and we haven't talked about this yet, actually, because I don't know if you caught it the first watch-through, but in the first three or four weeks of the episode, Meredith has this horrible, like, bizarre elephant man face. <laughs> and it was really distracting to me, really very distracting. And I, there was no explanation given whatsoever. And I assumed it would be in the deleted scene. And yes, indeed, that was taken care of. And uh, I also have to say, I don't know what is this deal here with, Ke with, with Kelly and Meredith. We'll talk about that in a second. I'm doing the blood type diet. Who gives a f***? What'd you say? Okay, great. I got it. Look what just arrived from the Nashua branch. Here's something to enjoy on your three non-vacation days. Nashua branch. Can I send them a dead deer? No. You know what we're going to do? We're going to take that and we are going to use it as a reward for the end of our competition. Classy. My dream vacation? I sleep in, putter around the farm, go fishing for a few hours, take a long run in the forest, check the traps. Then the sun comes up, and I head into work, which is empty, because everyone else is out of town on vacation. Nice job, Kevin. That's Kevin dumping out his M&Ms and refilling it with chocolate-covered raisins. But in the gay community, there's a lot of pressure to be ripped. I got straight abs. I want gay abs. Can you turn the heat down now? It's oppressive. <sighs> yeah, totally. I'm sorry, Oscar. Yeah, I didn't realize it was bothering you. Because <laughs> it's kind of bothering all of us, because it's really hot. You know, it's hot, so we can lose weight, so we don't screw up this whole contest for the entire freaking office. But if you want, I'll turn it down. Hello, hello. Hey! Your face is almost back to normal. One more kid calls me Hellboy, I swear to God. Oh, you wish. Hellboy's a hero. These guys took me out in this fishing boat. I don't think I caught anything. Have you been to the beach yet? Nah, but I'm going ziplining tomorrow through, through the rainforest <laughs> with this cool couple. I, I'm at my hotel. The woman's amazing. Hey, Oscar, come on, let's go. Okay, Toby, you gotta That's go. That's Michael, because you missed me. <laughs> Oscar, are you there? Hello? 
I'm suspending you without pay for the rest of the year. No, you're not. Okay, no, I am not. Dwight! I want you to take Jim's chair. No, no, his chair at his desk. He gets it back on Friday. On it. I want you to get your ass out of my face. Yeah, well, if you're only free till three on Sunday and I can't get there till one, then it's going to be pretty tight. That's what she said. Hey, can you not? Can you not? No sitting devices, Michael's rules. No, 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 definitely. Definitely, yes. Next weekend, then. All right. Love you, too. Hey. Um, my daughter said you traded her headband for her Nintendo DS. Oh, yeah. She loves that headband. She's six. She manipulates you. Okay, I'm going to need you to make this right. Or else we can't be right. I never knew when you're kidding. God, where do you even start with that band of crazy clips? Another awesome uh, Andy Bernard moment there. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, that was a good. That was very, very funny. I loved Oscar's talking about his straight abs and he wants gay abs. That was pretty good too. And I, you know, I think you pointed out already. The Meredith clip is really the one that I think is most important from a filling in the blanks perspective. And I guess we talked in last week's episode about this blog that she's doing, and she's meeting men online and some sort of singles thing. It sounds like these guys took her on a boat and kind of had her, their way with her or something. I don't know. Well, I'm glad to see that, uh, like we, you know, I talked about that last week in our preview episode. I'm glad to see that they're absolutely in no way giving her any character. <laughs> she's still a crazy stereotype this uh, this season, so maybe we can hope for something else, I guess. Kelly, like, cheats Daryl's daughter out of a Nintendo DS. Uh, what does that say about these people? I don't know. I mean, maybe Daryl's heading for dumping her. Maybe leaving the, uh, the the wings wide open for Ryan to swoop in, perhaps? I don't know. Oh, man. I don't know. I He seemed like he was pretty up on the ball with the whole that she, you know, the whole thing that she was playing him whenever Ryan showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, he had that good talking head, didn't he, last season with the <laughs> – I'm getting – like, I, I get so – I get excited when I see that little guy walking around, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm surprised he's going along with this whole charade still, like, sitting there right across from his desk, you know, making out with her and everything. So, yeah, I don't know. Some good stuff in there, and uh, I'm hoping to see the eventual eruption of our friend Mr. Bernard sometime this season. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just stuff I have. Oh, and it's from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Oh, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the one. Why didn't uh want to get it? You put it in the garbage cabinet with a special filing cabinet. Yeah. Uh, that was a joke. Well, Kim, we played the audio last week of uh, Ricky Gervais at the Emmys, one of the very few, very few highlights of that broadcast. And on the strength of that cutting-edge comedy, apparently uh, our friend here, David Brent, is in the running to host this year's Academy Awards broadcast. You know, I've seen a lot of that buzz myself. And, you know, Steve Carell's even getting a little bit of buzz in that regard, too. I think anybody who used to be on The Daily Show is an automatic consideration, so we'll probably see Stephen Colbert as next year's Oscar host. Come on, David, no David Letterman again? Let's give the guy another chance. Every every 10 years, right? Oprah? 
<laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> moving on to our next news story. Sorry, stalkers. Jenna Fisher has a new man. It was revealed during the Emmys this past week that Jenna Fisher has finally admitted to dating writer Lee Kirk. The two have apparently been going out since January. And, yeah, she introduced him on the red carpet, apparently, at the Emmys broadcast and outed his outed their relationship to the world. So, again, sorry, folks, but uh, I don't know. I guess she's taken. All right. The, uh, do you have anything else? I was going to say, you know, she was dating a writer and director before, so eventually when this thing breaks up, if we can get into that writing gig, you know, we might be able to get an in with Jenna Fisher. Man, well, how do you think she keeps getting all these parts, man? <laughs> Oh, I'm just kidding, Jenna. We love you, of course. She's uh, just so cute. <laughs> all right. Well, the uh, Office premiere scored 9.2 million viewers last week, Kevin, which uh, was actually down from last year. Uh, the premiere was 9.7 million for the season four premiere episode. Now, is that a bad sign? Not necessarily, because every show is down across the board. Uh, even the other juggernauts on Thursday night are all down as well. So, I, I don't know, lingering effects of the writer's strike, perhaps. All right, we uh, don't have too much news. We kind of blew our wad on that last week with our last episode, so that's about it. Uh, remember, if you can't get enough of our brilliant insight, you can follow Kevin and me on Twitter and go to twitter.com and look for Summer Matt. All one word, and Kevin Crossman, all one word. And you could thrill to our witty postings about our dinner habits and uh, what we're watching on DVD, or the occasional uh, office, that's what she said, related tidbit. So be the first to know when Matt's editing the episode. All right. Uh, uh, One cast blog this week, Angela uh, posted something. You want to go ahead and take that one home? Well, sure. In terms of cast blogs, this was really the only one of note. Uh, Angela wrote, Some of you were very confused about Meredith's sunburned face. She actually had a talking head that explained it all. It was very funny, and hopefully you guys will see it on the deleted scenes on NBC.com or hear it on That's What She Said. There you go. She didn't really write that. Uh, How great was that Jim Pam proposal moment? Like a lot of you guys, I teared up. Things for uh, Dwight and Andy and Angela only get more complicated as the season goes. I can't wait for you guys to watch it unfold. And Amy Ryan is awesome. I love that we have an Oscar-nominated actress rapping with Michael Scott. Yesterday, I watched Ed and Oscar do a scene, and they were flat-out brilliant. I can't wait for you guys to see it. I wish I could say more. One thing I love about our writers is that they're always finding out new ways to reveal different sides of our characters, and a lot of times, that shows itself in new pairings of people. Hmm... I love Andy and Oscar together. All right, so that this episode apparently was the start of something between the two of them. Um, more animosity, perhaps? I can't imagine them being friends. Lovers. <laughs> I don't know about that. Andy <laughs> does want the washboard abs, so you know maybe he'll come out of the closet. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll exercise together. <laughs> Go on that 300 diet or something and <laughs> be ripped. All right, well... Um, that's about it. Now, the next new episode is not going to air for another two weeks. So as we mentioned last time, October 2nd, uh, the show is being preempted for the first vice presidential debate. So you get to watch Joe Biden and Sarah Palin instead of Michael Scott and Holly Flax, unfortunately. Uh, but in two weeks, on October 9th, we get the next episode, Business Ethics. 
Following Ryan's recent scandal at corporate, Holly must hold a business ethics seminar. The meeting gets out of control when Michael lets everyone speak freely about their unethical behavior at work. Meanwhile, Jim makes Dwight comply with the company's time theft policy. So, I don't know, man. Another corporate, another uh, <laughs> another big uh, conference room episode. Yeah, but I could see there could be a lot of really bad unethical behavior that might come out. I think this could be a hoot. And, of course, Jim making Dwight comply with anything is right up my alley. So I'm looking forward to this episode. All right. Well, tune in in two weeks, and we will check that out. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. You know, Kevin, I can't help myself. I know I made it, but uh, every time I listen to that clip, I think it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I agree. All right. In any case, let's go down to the emails and the blog postings. My uh, dear friend Ian Levenstein had this to say. This episode reaffirmed my thoughts that this season is going to be great. I laughed out loud more in this hour and a ha- or I laughed out loud more in this hour than for half of last season. Not that I didn't like last season, it just was a different kind of funny. This was the type of episode that made me appreciate the show in season 1 and oh my god, totally wasn't expecting Jim to do it and he did. 10 out of 10, welcome back office. Well, Mateo wrote, I couldn't possibly care less about the proposal. Everyone knew it was coming, so I guess it's nice they didn't try to keep building it up forever. She doesn't want a long engagement. Hmm. Wonder what might happen in the hour-long episode right after the Super Bowl. And (laughs) call me a nerd, I'm absolutely in love with Holly. I think we all are. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think he was the only one who mentioned anything about not loving the proposal, so we try to be fair and balanced here on the podcast. All right, well, so we've got... We've got uh, Ian loving it. We've got you admitting to crying like a little girl. Uh, I was rather <laughs> nonplussed. I mean, it was it just I felt a little twinge in the back of my throat, but I don't know. It, it, I, it just it didn't get me like some of those other moments in the past. I, I, maybe it was the rain. I don't know. But in any case, so yeah. All right. Val R had this to say. And uh, does anyone else think Angela's pregnant? We know Stanley lost seven pounds, and everyone else seemed to really be trying. Yet. They kept gaining weight near the end. At one point, the camera even zoomed in on Angela for an extra second when they were talking about the increased numbers. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that, Kevin? I think it would be a ridiculous idea to have yet another pregnancy on a show that is already having one, and especially with Angela since she was just pregnant in real life. So, (laughs) Although I, I did see that that look was a funny look. I admit that, but I just think it's kind of unlikely to have a kid again so soon after Jan getting pregnant. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I think the reason why they didn't lose weight was because of the other, like, five, six people, like Phyllis and Kevin, who I'm sure <laughs> weren't really cutting back on their calories. But, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I can, on the one hand, I can see them doing it to set up, like, a parallel situation because that would be, you know, oh, it's wacky. We have two pregnancies going on at the same time on the other hand i really didn't even want to see one pregnancy so i i mean the only thing that could be worse than michael having a kid would be dwight having a kid (laughs) (laughs) i mean really that would be some scary upbringing let's save that for the spinoff 
All right. <laughs> Michelle in New York wrote, Okay, I just have to say, Ryan looked like some kind of human black hole walking around all dressed in black with that goatee. Or maybe he's a simmering vortex of evil. Has he officially sold his soul to Satan yet? Well, you know what happens in the mirror universe, Kevin. The uh, goatee signifies evil, so. That's right. Could be evil Ryan there. But then he shaved it, so now he's back to being good, right? Yeah, maybe. He stood up. After he shaved it, he stood up and said Kelly was perfect, so. Ah, there you go. Very good. <laughs> All right. Uh, B had this to say. Uh, for the first time in five years, I actually liked B.J. Novak as an actor. The undertone of Ryan's emotional vulnerability mixed with his irrepressible megalomania was actually portrayed with skill, and I enjoyed every scene Ryan was in, especially the scene between Ryan and Kelly in which Kelly finally displayed a bit of emotional maturity and Ryan had to eat some crow. Um, we talked about this a little bit already. I mean, Ryan has just become too much of a cartoon character for me. I, I really wish, I hope this experience brings him back down to earth and makes us maybe care about him a little bit more because right now he's just... He's out there. He is out there. And, but I would tend to agree with this comment from B, because I'm not a, the biggest B.J. Novick fan, but I really did like his performance in this episode. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, he's definitely putting on a brave front, because I have no idea what <laughs> what human being would put himself through that situation. I don't know. In any case, well, let's see what happens to Ryan. I Hopefully he'll get a little more development as the year goes on. Well, I'm sure they'll make fun of them during the business ethics episode. <laughs> All right, well, Amanda wrote, Toby, my daughter just viewed the last part of the episode for the first time, and she cried when she saw Toby. <laughs> I mean, tears came out of her eyes. She was under the impression that the, actu that the actor actually hurt himself, and she's nine. Oh, man, I wish I could find that <laughs> sad, but I just can't help it. Flenderson <laughs> is such a, just such a pathetic loser. Oh, my God. I think that Amanda's daughter needs to watch a little bit more TV. <laughs> there you go. More TV, Amanda. All right, and our old friend Funtivities had this to say in preparation for next week's debate. I may create a drinking game around how many times Joe Biden says Scranton during the VP debate this week, since it is on instead of the office. I have to do something on Thursday. All right, well, Funtivities, just uh, don't go overboard. Um, yeah, we want a full report, Funtivities. Uh, <laughs> you know, definitely tell us how many drinks you had. I think that that's a great game. I might even play that at home myself. All right. Well, like you said, uh, friends don't let friends binge drink during vice presidential debates, Kevin. All right. <laughs> the future of our country's on the line. This is serious, damn it. All right. In any case, <laughs> whatever. All right. That's about going to do it for us for this week. So join us in about two weeks for episode 50. Business ethic. Business ethics. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail dot com and visit the show blog page at twsspodcast dot com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in various the office related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for this episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember to head on over to nbc.com slash theoffice during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, and more. And for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here.
or maybe a simmering vortex of evil. Has he officially sold his devil? <laughs> Fuck me. 